You're listening to Tulsa Talks, a Tulsa People podcast, episode 2.4. I'm Anna Bennett. This episode of Tulsa Talks is brought to you by Celebrate Life, a gala fundraiser for Life Senior Services on March 7th at the Cox Business Center. Today, it's Thought for Your Thoughts with the Director of Parks and Rec, Anna America. Then, Detective Ian Swart is on the case investigating a local hill turned literary landmark. So let's talk, Tulsa. Action. Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Deva, Maheshvara. There's the kick. So yummy. Guru Satshat, Param Brahma, Tasmai Shri, Guru Dev Namaha. So poetic. You know, that's when things started to shift a little bit. Do you see yourself as a Leslie Nope? Well, my daughter, I have a 16-year-old daughter, and when this first came up, and I knew it would be a really big change because I'd have to leave the council, and I'd leave my previous job, uh, private job I had outside of the council. And But she said, Mom, and she loves Parks and Rec. She's like, Mom, you have to do this. You will be living the Leslie Nope life. So I was like, okay, I guess that's the deciding factor then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you got to live that <laughs> nope life. <laughs> I actually, I, I admit I went to Wikipedia and said, okay, what happens at the end of Parks and Rec? And I realized that she, you know, works for the National Park System. And the implication at least is that she becomes governor. So I was like, well, if Parks and Rec is determining my future, I guess, you know, you guys might look for me in the state house at some point down yeah. the road. So, Of course, she also ends up with triplets. So... <laughs> How many kids do you have? Uh, you know, I have three golden doodles, so maybe it's there like, you go. Yeah, those yeah. are your triplets. My, that's my version of it. I have yeah. two kids, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think we're hopefully past the triplet stage, <laughs> other than the golden doodles. That's Anna America, who took the helm at Tulsa's Parks and Recreation Department in fall of 2018. Despite being relatively new to this position, Anna is certainly no stranger to life in the public eye. Most recently, Anna was executive director of the Child Abuse Network and has also been the executive director for Up With Trees and Tulsa's Communities and Schools. She also sat on the city council from 2014 to 2018, resigning in order to take the position as parks director. So yeah, Anna America is definitely Tulsa's own Leslie Nope. Isn't that just so awesome you can't stand it? So I actually worked for the parks department in my first go-round working with the city, which was uh, 20 plus years ago. My my son, who's now 20, was born when I worked in the Parks Department, so I can always keep track of it that way. <laughs> so in, in some ways, it was coming home, um, but it's a completely different perspective. And when I worked in the Parks Department years ago, I made a commitment then to go visit every single facility we had, and I, I did. And I'm trying to do that again now um, in dramatic changes. I mean, just think, just because I've been to one of those parks once, you know, we there are... Um, uh, we had 22 rec centers when I worked in the park system. Then we've got six that are functioning as rec centers now. Uh, nine pools were down to less than half that. You know, so some real, real big changes in the system. So that's been a big part of just getting out, um, trying to get back out to the facilities, meet all the staff, kind of reacquaint myself from uh, from this side of the table with the system. And of course, as a as a counselor for four years. We work with parks and all the other departments in the city. So, so nothing that is completely new, but um, it's it's different when you're responsible for it. That transition been going from city councilor, you know, your name being on signs and that being sort of your identity to now 
you're the director of this department. Has that been um, a challenge, reinventing your image? Mm, I wouldn't say a challenge in the sense of it being negative. It's I, I never went into politics because I liked politics. I, I would kind of joke with people, but, but very truthfully, I don't like campaigning. Um, I, I don't like particularly being in office. I just wanted to get stuff done. When I ran for school board initially, uh, same thing. And then when I ran for city council, it was more uh, things I cared about that weren't happening in a way I thought they could happen. And I sort of ran out of frustration more than any particular ambition. So when this opportunity came up, it was it was just more of that. It was an opportunity in, in an area that I really, really cared about to say, wow, I can really go in and some things that have frustrated me or that I wish we could do differently. You can put my money where my mouth is, you know, I, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, let's, let's get in there and, and, and try to affect some of those changes. So I had, I had already, um, and it was part of, I, I, I had worked with mayor, now mayor Bynum, but as a counselor, and he knew when I was on the council that parks was a real passion of mine. And he appointed me to chair the, the uh, city county uh, commission that was sort of looking at potential ways we could we could align better there and I had told him um, prior to this opportunity even coming up we had no idea that it was happening that um, I, I thought this would probably be my last term on the council and that I really wanted that this was the area you know once he was in the mayor's office I said I, I really want to sit down and figure out what we can do this is the area I want to put most of my effort in my last term on the council. So when the opportunity came up, I think that was one of the reasons that, that he thought of me. Um, so it's great. You know, this is a real manifestation, I, uh, something I didn't even know that I I wanted because I didn't, the opportunity wasn't there. But but it's it was like it just kind of fell down as like this is the best way you can to have the kind of impact you want to have. So Yeah, and you've said that your three main passions are children, green spaces, and community. And so parks perfectly – brings that all together yeah I can't imagine something that brings together I mean I, I've been super lucky in the things I've worked with my whole life I mean I've, I've always had the the luxury to um, be able to work in things I was really passionate about but they've all tied in one way or the other to to those three elements and um, parks is the first thing that really ties in all all three of them together just is comprehensively as anything I could think of mm. So your predecessor, uh, Lucy Dolman, she mm-hmm. was director for nine I think nine that's, years? yeah, yeah. Um, and she'd been and around for a long time before that. So Lucy was, was in the park system when I worked there 20 years ago. Wow. So we worked together then. Yeah, I, I read well. somewhere that she had been in the parks department for 40 years, which yeah. is incredible. What, um, has it been a lot of pressure, like shoes to fill, someone who's got such a legacy there? Oh, always, always. And, and of course, um, Lucy came from very much from a recreation background and so really, really profoundly understood that. And she had the, and it, it's not a reflection on her, obviously, over that time that, you know, I, I know the changes just in the past 20 years. If you were to go back to 40 years, it would be even more profound that we've seen really dramatic um uh, budget cuts and and kind of curtailing because of a lot of uh, economic reasons. Why do you think that um, there seems to be backwards movement in that particular area? It's it's um, I think a couple of reasons. And one, you haven't had uh, we have not done a good job within the department, but the city as a whole. I mean, because I, I I you know I will put this on the city council and the mayor and all of us, all of us who have who have helped lead the city in different ways that we haven't really told the story as well as we should have. 
I, in retrospect, it's easy to say this, I, I wish 20 years ago when we really started looking at closing rec centers that we would have instead have really gone out and made the case to citizens um, why we should be investing in some of those things and closing pools. And um, at, when, when the city at a couple of different times has faced economic downturns, and you guys probably know this, but you know, we are the only, the only state in the country where cities have to rely on sales tax. So it makes us very vulnerable to economic up, upswings, downswings, mm-hmm. when, um, because sales tax is the most volatile and the most regressive tax there is. So anytime there's a, a bit of a, uh, a decline in the economy, you see that in sales tax, which means the money goes down, we've got to have a balanced budget, and you can't cut in certain areas, or it's much more difficult. So parks has been one of those that it in tough times was seen as more of a luxury. Mm. Police, fire, making sure the streets are safe, water, sewer, those are things that I think everyone agrees, you know, we've got to maintain them. Um, but I think more and more data tells us parks aren't a luxury. I mean, they really are an essential part of, they, they connect back to uh, public safety. They connect back to health. They connect back to these to these goals that we've established as a community in, in very cost-effective very effective ways. So I think there's a lot greater understanding now that it's um, there's, a, there's a heavy price to pay when you cut parks or you cut those kinds of opportunities. You see, you know, when kids don't have, um, teenagers don't have, have places they can go that are constructive and positive, they are a lot more likely to go do negative things right. type of examples. Or that when you, when you take away ways for for citizens to get out and be active outdoors you know for free yeah yeah you start seeing some real health impacts so uh and plus the economic impact and and as we have recognized that that attracting and growing local businesses and attracting a a well-educated workforce things like parks matter greatly when we are trying to attract workers and keep workers keep young talented people in in town and um so I think now that there's there's much more of a mindset to really invest in meaningful ways in parks. So it seems like there's a convergence of several factors that make it um, an interesting, fortuitous time for you to be at the helm now. Right, and it and and this is this is no um, um, insult to previous mayors. I mean, everybody's had or administrations in general. Everybody's had their priorities and different challenges to deal with, and I know they've all cared about parks. But I think you see right now we have a mayor who is probably more primed than anyone's been in decades to to see that impact you know he's very data driven so uh, he uh, mayor bynum is well aware as he's working out and trying to to attract millennials say to tulsa that they care about trails they care about parks they care about green space and um, And he seems to really care about these holistic health mm -hmm. outcomes i mean that was very much one of the tenets of his campaign was the the life expectancy gap in public parks as you alluded mm-hmm. to are a piece of that piece yeah of that yeah puzzle. A, a key piece and if you look at the city's uh, strategic plan the aim plan it's called there are, are a number of those factors where parks have a real key role in uh, and health outcomes is one of those i mean just equity in general parks are a key part of um, um property values and and you know community building and things that we know that we have disparities across the city and, and that parks can be a key part of, of helping fix those things or helping, you know, bring, bring greater equity to all parts of the, all parts of the city. We'll be back with more from Ana America, but first a quick word from our sponsors. 
Despite our frigid temps, spring is just around the corner. Don't argue with me, I can taste it. There's something about spring that has an out with the old, in with the new vibe. And Life Senior Services is embracing that vibe with Celebrate Life, a gala fundraiser on March 7th at the Cox Business Center. The annual cocktail and dinner event was formerly known as Putting on the Dog. And while frequent guests will recognize traditions such as the silent auction and wine pool, there's plenty of new excitement to be had, including a craft beer pool and games for the crowd. Life Senior Services provides solutions that allow older adults to maintain their independence and live their lives to the fullest. So get your ticket now for Celebrate Life. There's a special rate for guests aged 40 and under. Visit lifeseniorservices.org slash celebrate life. I adopted 32 cats and dogs. Do you want pancakes? Welcome back to Tulsa Talks. I'm your host, Anna Bennett. Now, it's time for me to ask my guest, Anna America, the tough questions. Now, do you have a, uh, do you have a favorite park in Tulsa? <laughs> it's like asking me if I have a favorite kid, <laughs> to some extent. Uh, I, honestly, I do love so many different parks for so many different reasons. I mean, we've got some really incredible sort of... Um, name brand you know the name the parks that everybody knows i mean everybody probably just about at some point has done some picture a a prom picture or a senior picture at woodward Mm -hmm. or been to an event there i mean you know one of our our real just beautiful standout parks um i'm very um i think our greatest un underappreciated treasure is mohawk over over three thousand acres it's one of the largest municipal parks in the world Hmm. and um uh, incredible that we have that many, that much of it is unspoiled, still natural. I mean, Oxley Nature Center is just such a, a, a jewel. It belongs to citizens of Tulsa, and most Tulsans haven't been there, as well as the zoo and Mohawk Golf Course and other things that are out there. Um, I, I, though, probably uh, the park I use the most these days is uh, Hunter Park because I take my dogs to the dog park there. It's biscuit is Biscuit, biscuit Acres. acres. Yeah. Love it, and my dogs love it, and so I spend more time at that park than any other park. Probably the the ones that are closest to my heart are the neighborhood parks that really become the center of of a smaller part of town. And other businesses may visit them and are, of course, welcome to, but really define and set that neighborhood. And for me, um, Braden Park is is the park that's probably it's first of all it's a great example of that. That neighborhood around Braden Park just um, it's it's part of that neighborhood in a, in a really elemental way. And um, houses are defined. If you say, oh, I live in that neighborhood and I'm on this street, you know, three houses down from the park. I mean, it becomes how you define the community, where you spend time, where the community gathers. And um, my son, in fact, was born when I worked at the park department at the time, as I said. And when we lived in that neighborhood and we named him after the park, Braden. Uh, you know, we had the big wooden signs then, so mm-hmm. Braden and, you know, as soon as he learned how to spell his name, I was like, yeah, that's my park. There's my name on the sign, you know. He was about eight, I think, before he realized that <laughs> the park was not named after him. It wasn't actually his park, so he was pretty oh, disappointed no. to discover that. But I will always have a soft spot for that park oh. for that reason, though. We'll get back to this conversation. But first, a segment on obscure Tulsa history that's even nerdier than playing Cones of Dunshire. Ian Swart, the resident Sherlockian of the Tulsa Historical Society, is on the case. I understand that Tulsa has the distinction of having the only geographic location in the world that's named after Sherlock Holmes. How did that happen? Well, Holmes Peak um, is located northwest of Tulsa. 
It's basically between Gilcrease Museum and the Botanic Garden. Uh, there was a fellow here in Tulsa, his name was Dick Warner, and he was a historian, a researcher, author, a Sherlock Holmes enthusiast, and he ran across an article back in 1981 uh, that detailed how one could go through the procedures to nominate um, a name for any previously unnamed landmark. But he wanted to name somewhere, not only in the United States, but somewhere in his native Tulsa for Sherlock Holmes. He set out to determine who owned this piece of property. So he contacted a man named J.A. Kennedy, who was the current owner, and got no response. And so he waited and waited um, and about a year passed, and he still had heard nothing. And so he did a little bit more research and discovered that Mr. Kennedy had been dead for about two years. So he learned that the estate was being processed and that the new owners uh, were ORU, TU, and the Catholic Diocese of Tulsa. He set out to get permission from these new owners, and so he contacted uh, TU's president, uh, Pascal Twyman, at the time. Uh, he contacted someone uh, with ORU and was given permission easily. Uh, but when he reached out to the uh, Catholic diocese and uh, Bishop Beltran, uh, he received a letter back, um, and the bishop was uh, not in favor of naming this landmark uh, for a fictional detective. And so he ended up going over the bishop's head, and instead he wrote a letter to Pope John Paul II. You know, go straight to the top. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't get a response back from the Vatican, uh, but shortly thereafter he did get a scathing letter from the Tulsa bishop. By that point, uh, the Catholic Diocese had uh, given up ownership, that they had traded it. And so uh, he went ahead and filled out all the paperwork, submitted it to the U.S. Board on Geologic Names, and it was officially approved in June of 1984. They had a big dedication ceremony, and so there were bagpipers, uh, Sherlockians from all over the country came and they had a big ceremony. They had a fireworks display. Um, and so every year or so they would um, make an official ascent up Holmes Peak, this group of Sherlockians. And so they would get pretty fancy. They would have these really neat medals or badges made. And so everyone would get a souvenir badge for making the trek up the hill. To put on their trench coat. Yes. Right yes. beside their magnifying Yes. Glass. Their deerstalker caps and their tweed coats and that kind of stuff. They set up a tent and a local restaurant catered and they had a brass quintet and it was a kind of a big to do. Um, there is a local group of Sherlock Holmes scholars and enthusiasts called the Afghanistan Perceivers. And I believe that they are uh, trying to organize um, another event. Why do you think that the figure of Sherlock Holmes has remained so enticing for so many people? I think people love a good mystery. 
and especially a good murder mystery. Um, and even today, shows are very popular that uh, have any sort of forensic detection aspect. Um, and of course, there's a current uh, series um, about Sherlock Holmes. So it's something that keeps coming back, and I don't think that Sherlock Holmes will ever um, slip into obscurity. I think he'll continue to be famous and sought after. Welcome back to Tulsa Talks. I'm Anna Bennett. So your average Tulsan probably thinks of every park, green space, and playground as part of this monolithic public space. But the reality of Tulsa's parks is a little more complicated than that. There are actually three public park systems in the city. Um, city park system, which is the largest uh, by far. You know, we've got 135 parks and over 8,000 acres. And then um, county parks. And as a, they, they have other parks outside of the city, but within the city limits, it's LaFortune Park is their park. And then mm-hmm. they, they O'Brien and North, North Tulsa and Chandler and West are just outside of the city okay. limits, but are, but are used by many, many Tulsans. Mm-hmm. And they have a couple of other parks in the, in the county. Uh, and then River Parks, which is a city-county um, sort of hybrid. It's public as well, but it's because part of it is outside of the city limits and part of it is in. It's funded by the city and county jointly. Okay, I did not realize that. I know lots so, of people don't. So the more you know, uh-huh. but we all we all uh, uh, communicate a lot and work together. And um, um, there are uh, the trail system, for example, goes straight from. We maintain the city park system maintains almost all the trails except for the river parks trails within the even if they're not on parks property. And so you know, if again, if we're all doing our job, you can get on the trail and you go from you know on the city trail and then you get onto the river parks um, section of that, and you'll know that you're in river parks. But you can continue to go uh, until you you know travel around the Creek Turnpike mm-hmm. or out to Jenks or other places, and, and it should all be working together. Okay. So moving forward, what are some ways that you envision um, reinventing? Uh, the department and moving towards this vision of a more efficient system. I um, I think you know I I'll, I'll go back to taking better care of what we've got and that's not re um, re envisioning. I think it's just sort of going back to again going back to your roots in some ways and saying and and I I've had I, nobody disagrees with that. Everybody mm-hmm. says and it's something we should have been doing all along. And I've spoken to a lot of neighborhood groups and things. And when I bring that up, they're like, we're so glad you're finally saying that. You know, people have been frustrated. We should have been braver as, as, um, as you know, was like when I was on the council. It's, it's way easier to sell a funding package that has some cool new project in it. It's harder to go to citizens and say, we need you to pay more money. And it's to fix roofs and, you know, repair potholes and those kinds of things. It's so and, much less glamorous. Yeah. But I think we've under underestimated mm-hmm. our citizens, honestly. When I've talked about it, people are are grateful and relieved that we're talking in this way. They they have felt that for a long time. A lot of people have. So that'll be a key thing. Um, I think much, much more looking at partnerships and collaboration. And that's not just other park systems, although that'll be key. It's schools and hospitals and the libraries. I mean, how do we all jointly work together towards similar goals, as we were saying with the city and the county? The kids there don't care that they're playing on a playground that was built by the park department on school property or, or you know, vice versa. And um, we're lucky that we've got uh, really strong partnerships with 
with the school system, but also, you know, we're working on with the YWCA and the YMCA and um, other partners out there. Uh, so I think we'll see lots of that, and I hope one aspect of that that we'll see will be a lot um, stronger philanthropic support of parks. It's not an area we've tapped into well. Right, and, and that, of course, makes me think of Kaiser and the yeah. Gathering Place. We've got an incredibly, incredibly generous philanthropic community and who, who I think are more than willing to support. They care about these. They care about green space. They care about parks. They care about health, uh, and we just haven't done a good job of – of giving them the opportunities to invest in ways where they can have that impact with city parks. And mm-hmm. so that'll be something I really hope to strengthen um, and, and including the gathering place. I mean, I've, I've had a number of meetings with them and, and we're having, we're in discussion on some ways that we can, we can collaborate and kind of work together on both programming and potentially some investments in some other parks that help uh, spread the, the idea of the gathering place. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's a great, a great, um, gift to the citizens of Tulsa, and I think they're interested in certainly continuing to keep the gathering place the awesomeness that it is. But but how can they spread some of the good things that are happening out there? Which the facility is a whole lot of it, but the programming and the other pieces around it are key as well. And so I'm I'm grateful to have their expertise and their their um, willingness to invest across this community. I think we'll we'll see a lot of impact from it. So how would you say that the role of parks in society in general, Tulsa specifically, has has changed or stayed the same since the first time you worked in the parks department? I think the biggest thing is that we stopped with through the cuts and through all of that, we stopped. Um, we, we took it for granted. We I went out to Mohawk. You know, I mentioned that's that's a real, um, I think, an un, unappreciated jewel. And it, um, I spent time out there, and, and a lot of Mohawk is now fenced off. You can't get back to some of the areas just because we haven't had the money to maintain it. Mm-hmm. So the day I did that, I posted on Facebook, as I, as I want to do when I do, you know, go out and do things, and posted some pictures and just talked about this, you know, Mohawk's awesome, and we need to really work to bring it back. And I had all these posts and people commenting, and they, they, they almost all said something like, oh, I love Mohawk. I used to go out there to concerts. I used to do this. I used to uh, go out there and um, I went to the powwow. I used to do the paddle boats. I used to, I used to, I used to. Mm. And it really was eye-opening to me to see that. that And nobody, all of those things, well, the paddle boats and things, we don't still have some of those things out there. But, I mean, there was nothing, nobody said, I went to concerts and it was a terrible location. They said, I went to concerts and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I wish you still did that. And so but we, you can't just do those things in a vacuum. Exactly. Know, and people and just so, assume that they'll always happen. And, and people sort of it had all forgotten about it almost. I mean, it was, a, it was kind of an odd thing. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is we need to um, – parks, they are such an incredible treasure. I, I was at a neighborhood meeting a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about issues. That's it, a neighborhood that's around a park and, and beloved park to that neighborhood. And – Somebody the next day emailed me, and we were following up on some issues, and she said, you know, it's so great to talk to somebody who sees parks as an asset instead of a burden. And I think that's part of it. We've gotten in the mode, and and, and I don't blame anybody for this. I mean, people who are dealing with budget cuts and like, oh, man, how am I going to stretch this dollar and mow twice as much with no more money or whatever it was. But we have let ourselves think of our parks as a burden instead of the true, true treasure that they are. I mean, we are incredibly blessed as a community that we've got 
city parks and but in, in river parks and now gathering place and county parks we've got incredible park systems here that enrich every day or benefiting us in some way enrich our lives enrich this community and we were just kind of yeah 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 taking it for granted so every person you talk to you can say you know what's your favorite park what's your favorite park experience and almost everybody's got one of those and, mm-hmm. and it's one of the things i've been excited about with the gathering place um and some people, you know, when that first came and it was so popular and people were like, oh, is that going to take away from, from city parks? And I think it's the opposite. I think you have a whole lot of people who that inspired them to go out and play as a family or as a couple or, you know, a couple of friends or whatever. And it's like people are going, well, that's right. I I love this. They love it's the gathering fun. place. <laughs> yeah. But they go back home and they're like, you know, yeah, that was, I'm going to go out and we're going to, we're going to go to the park across the street. And I think it's reawakened an appreciation for green space and parks and just getting out and having fun together as a community or as a family or as, you know, a couple, whatever it is. Um, so, so it's been, you know, we're all rising on this, on this, uh, water, all the ships are rising together, I think. And, um, it's a really great time. It really is. Uh, I'm hitting it where we're kind of at the bottom of the funding, but in some ways it's, it's the best time because I think we've really turned a corner. So I don't, I don't expect unless there's a huge economic downturn and that we're all facing that, those um, challenges together. I don't think we will see uh, parks being the easy sacrifice on the chopping block again in this community. I think we're too smart for that to do that again. Thanks so much for listening to Tulsa Talks. If you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend about the show and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tulsa People or head to our home on the web, tulsapeople.com slash podcast. There you'll find show notes and more information about our guests and topics. Every episode, we play you out with some local music. Today's selection is I've Been Wrong Before by Dane Arnold and the Soup. I suppose everybody is. And it won't be long before something got to give it. Cause lately my position here has been working quite fine. And I know the good things tend to show and leave. I see it all the time.
So I've been right before. Though not as much as I might like. And if I told lies before, it was just to get us through the night. Thank y'all very much. Check out the new music video for this song on YouTube. Visit DaneAndTheSoup.com to learn more about this artist and this song. This episode of Tulsa Talks is brought to you by Celebrate Life, a gala fundraiser for Life Senior Services on March 7th at the Cox Business Center. Tulsa Talks is a Langdon Publishing production recorded right here in beautiful downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma.